Welcome to the Real Birth Podcast, the show where real parents share real birth stories and get really honest about how it went. You might be a first-time expectant parent, or on your eighth baby. Perhaps you're a birth worker, or maybe you just love learning about birth. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. This podcast aims to educate and empower listeners through the real stories of mums and dads. I'm Lucy Hill. I'm a doula, a mum of a toddler, and a complete birth nerd. Join me as I invite all kinds of parents to share their stories of pregnancy, birth, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to The Real Birth Podcast. Today my guest is Sarah who shares her two birth stories, both of which were pretty quick labours without any pain, which led midwives to dismiss Sarah when she told them that she was in labour. In this episode we discuss how Sarah discovered fertility awareness as a method of both avoiding and achieving pregnancies, something which I have practised myself actually for just over a decade and I would highly recommend if you are interested. Sarah's intimate knowledge of her cycle and body meant that her second pregnancy and birth was a much more confident experience. I really loved hearing about how much support she got from her husband and his family, who all have their own long-standing love affair with birth. I really hope you enjoy Sarah's episode. She's really funny, articulate and a bit sweary, all of which I love in a podcast guest. So I will hand over to Sarah now to tell her stories. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on the podcast and share your two stories. If you could tell us a little bit quickly about you and your family before we start, that'd be great. Okay, so there's me, obviously, and my husband, and he's an electrician. He's called Isaac. And then we've got a little boy who is currently asleep in the car, which is why I keep looking to my left. And uh, he's two and a half. And then my little girl is now seven and she's at school. When you Let's talk about your first pregnancy. So... When you became pregnant with your daughter, was that something quite intentional? And had you planned that with your partner at that time? So she was very much planned um, as much as um, I wanted a dog. I really, really wanted a dog. <laughs> I, I grew up on a farm. We've always had dogs. I mean, my partner had been together for a while. And I was like, I think we should get a puppy. And my partner was like, I hate dogs. I was like, <gasps> oh, my God, how can you hate dogs? And he was like, yeah, they, they poo. I'm not picking up dog poo. I'm not having a dog. It's irresponsible to have a dog. I don't want to pick a dog poo. I was like, okay. I actually cried a little bit. I'm and um, I was like, so I, I was like, it's okay. I can solve this. I can solve this. So I went, well, well, if we don't have a puppy, then then we'll have to have a baby because that's what people do. We just skip the puppy section. And um, and he smiled. And he looked at me and he's younger than I am. And he went, actually, it's been something I've been meaning to bring up. And I was like, uh, this was not how this conversation was supposed to go. This was supposed to go with me getting a puppy, not not you getting a baby. Wait, wait, this escalated quick. So yeah, so that we had that conversation on a picnic, and um, so I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, okay. Uh, I didn't think I ever really wanted children, but oh, okay. So so we ruminated on that for a while, um, and then we went. We got motorbikes, and we went on this epic that had been pre-planned. Um, journey from here from Bristol all the way down to Dubrovnik we rode wow. our bikes for months and it was amazing anyway about halfway through I had a dodgy omelette in um, somewhere in Spain and started hailing my guts up and I was really really ill and I said to my I turned around to him and I said oh we're gonna have to be careful because my pill won't be working and he laughed and went well it's not like we're gonna be using it after we come back on holiday is it and I was like yeah but I really don't want to have my period on a motorbike and he was like well if it ain't working it ain't working took the packet off me and threw it in the bin and I didn't think any more of it to be honest with you I thought oh that'll be great that I'll go try and find some tampons in the middle of yeah in the middle of the mountains anyway nothing happened had a holiday was amazing go all the way down to Dubrovnik and I reckon this was probably conceived in Dubrovnik uh, so I felt funny when we came back and we were in we were, we were at somebody's house and had this big fancy meal and I ate it and I was like oh that's not sitting right with me and I can usually eat anything um apart from dodgy eggs and, and on an omelet so yeah and so we came back and I kept waiting for my period and I kept waiting for my period and weeks and weeks went by and I was waiting for my period and my mum came down and my mum's a farmer and I was complaining about every we'd eaten a lot of cheese on holiday and my I was complaining that I wasn't losing any weight and for every kilo my husband lost I was putting on a kilo and I felt really like off and my boobs were sore and I wish my period would just come already 
And my mum laughed and went, you're pregnant. And I went, you can't get pregnant if you've never had a period. Um, yeah, you can. I now know that because I, I actually now know lots about fertility awareness. And it's actually really common to get pregnant on your first ovulation. But yeah, at the time, I didn't know that was a thing. And uh, so I was, I can't be pregnant. And she left me, before she left, she went and bought a pregnancy test and left it on the table with a little note going, give it a go. And then oh went Oh my home. goodness. Uh, so, so I peed on the stick and the stick didn't even need time to like, the stick went bright pink. There was no like, is that a, is that a pregnancy? Yeah. yeah, it was bright pink. Uh, wow. So I was definitely pregnant. In fact, I was probably about 12 weeks pregnant. Oh, my goodness. So I was going <laughs> to say, no so idea. were you kind of thinking, oh, well, you know, when you come off the pill, it can take quite a while sometimes yeah. for people to get yeah, their fertility back. And so that was your yeah. mindset, was it? You were waiting for the yeah. return of fertility. I hadn't had a, I hadn't had a period for about eight years. Oh, my goodness. So, right. Of course, you're waiting for that to come back before you start trying for a baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my you know, God. That, yeah. So I was on Sarazet, and apparently it's quite common on Sarazet um, mm. because of the way um, oh, I've come. Uh, so my mother-in-law's a midwife and she was like, oh yeah, you get that a lot on that. And wow. I think it stops you in your cycle before, so you don't get like a whole, because I was like, how how can this baby be okay in my wizened old womb <laughs> that's, you know, that's got like, it's been that, that blood, that lining's been in there for like eight years. And she was like, oh no, it kind of stops you at the beginning rather than, so you can just like carry on. So I was like, oh, okay. But she was absolutely fine. I had a very healthy pregnancy and she was absolutely fine. I was a little bit worried about the alcohol consumption I'd had in the first like 10 weeks, mm. but that seemed fine. <laughs> when you did eventually kind of, I assume you spoke to a GP or referred to a midwife. Did you then yeah. fi- find out how far along you were? So I um, spoke to the midwives at Knoll and was like, um, I'm, I'm pregnant. And they were, they were like, they, it was quite funny because they were like, oh, so do you know how many? And I was like, well, so when was your last menstrual period? And I was like, oh, well, it's like, um, I don't know, 2001. <laughs> and they were like, sorry, what? And I was like, I haven't had a period. And they were like, what? In your, you've had a pregnancy test. I was like, yeah, oh, it's a very, very positive pregnancy test. And they were like, oh, well, we better get you in for a dating scan. Um, so I, I, so I went in, had like a booking appointment, my bloods, and then like literally with a few days, I went up and had my appointment at up at the um, maternity hospital. And yeah, it was really funny. The this snogger was like, it was like, I like literally stuck it. I went, I went. So how far along do you think you are? I was like, I have no idea. And she was like, Ah, oh, congratulations! You can start telling people. Should we do like your anatomy scan? It's <laughs> like, so yeah, I was like, yeah, I was definitely like. 12 11 it was enough that she could see quite a lot it was like actually your 15 week scan we'll kind of just do now mostly and then we'll get you back in wow. so we'll do loads of stuff now and then we'll get you back in like a, a few weeks time to do the rest of it and I was like oh cool okay wow so, that sort of takes that away that good. whole first trimester of worrying about yeah things. <laughs> yeah none of that at all <laughs> none of that it was really nice <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, I went to work and I was like, by the way, I'm pregnant. And they were like, oh, no, congratulations. Is it still? I'm like, no, it's not early days. It's not good. <laughs> but I also just found out. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's amazing. So how was the rest of your pregnancy? I had the I hate being pregnant. <laughs> I had the world's easiest pregnancy. Um, I really shouldn't complain. I had very little morning sickness. As long as I had a stash of um, cars, water biscuits hanging around so I could munch on something, I was absolutely fine. I had an anterior placenta. Yep. So my husband couldn't really uh, feel anything, but I still could. And being a dental hygienist, I use a machine called an ultrasonic. And that literally every 30 minutes I got kicked. So I knew she was really healthy all the way through. She was just like constantly doing a little jig in there every 30 minutes. She, she still does things now on a 30 minute time, um, <laughs> Gail, because she used to get zapped every 30 minutes with my, with my um, sonic cleaner. <laughs> uh, I used to wake her up. Oh, so yeah, so- it was really, really easy pregnancy. Yeah. What were your thoughts about birth at that time? Did you know much about how birth went, the options that you had? Or, you know, how did you go, in, com- go into that? No, I was so naive. I was so naive. I knew absolutely nothing. And if I'm honest with you, I was absolutely terrified because I'd not really had a chance to process it. We hadn't tried. We hadn't had any of that. Like, um, I really want to be pregnant. I was just all of a sudden, I was pregnant. And I was like, 
how did that happen? I know, I know, I know how it happened, <laughs> but, but it, it's, it was, it was quite a weird, I don't know if I'd have been any better mentally if I'd have had time to process it. Um, but I didn't really have time to process it. It was just, it was happening. Yeah. I was absolutely terrified. I mean, I did a will. Um, oh, I like, I, 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 I was absolutely terrified. I, I was positive. I was, in a, I was, I would say I was in a relatively, I've never been depressed ever as far as I'm aware I've never had any mental episodes but that is probably as close as I've ever come in those last few weeks in the last transmit when you're like waiting mm. for it to happen you know it's going to happen but you don't know when it's going to happen and and that's quite a when you get to your due date and you're like that's I wish they wouldn't give you a due date it's mentally it's not very good for you as a mm. person because you're like right oh it didn't happen um and those last few weeks my nesting weeks I literally like I did I had like a little file my husband where I'd put like who all the bills were with um who we needed to contact and I literally made like a little file in the event of my death um it was very depressing and my husband didn't really know what to do with me because it's not the sort of person I am I'm really very much a bouncy like a labradory sort of person and and I was I was absolutely terrified and I'm really privileged that I had a second birth that because I knew it was going to happen was, was much more relaxed and pleasurable. And, mm. and yeah, I feel really privileged. I got to do it again because that was really terrifying. And I can totally understand why if you're like, if you're in that headspace and then things go wrong, because I was lucky they didn't really go wrong for me, that that would tip you over the edge because mm. you were already in not a particularly good place. How did labour start for you? Did it? Did you go into labour spontaneously? I, I did in the end, but uh, so I was. I think the reason I was, I reckon I was probably longer than two because we didn't actually have proper dates. It was all a guesswork on the scan, and the scan was quite late. So again, that's not very accurate either. If it had been an mm. earlier scan, they might have been able to say, "Oh, look, there's a there's a kidney that only develops at so many weeks." Right. Um, so because we didn't have any dates, and I was two weeks over their date by the time um, and they were pushing for induction and I was pushing back in the end it was my mother-in-law who's a midwife who literally phoned me up and was like statistically you are really in a dodgy area now and that is my grandbaby and I've kept my gob shot I'm not keeping my gob shot anymore I really need you to to think about what people are telling you and I think it, you you need to be monitored in hospital you're two weeks over and that's what we think you are and I was like, All right then. So, so I, I was going in probably every other day to be monitored and they were mm. like, and, and everything appeared to be all right, but my fluid at this point wasn't very good. And they were like, look, we, we really do need you to really think about induction. And my mum had been induced with my brother. So she got into spontaneous labor with me and nearly had me in the car park. Mm. Um, and then she got into labor with my brother, except she didn't have any labor pains, which is what happened to me in the end. I didn't have any labor pains. And the consultant said, that's not right. You shouldn't have no pain. We're going to give you a drip so that you can mm. feel your contractions because otherwise, how will you know when to push? Which mm. looking back is a particularly cruel and inhumane thing to do. So she was in active labor and then they put a drip in and she said it was just the most horrific thing she's ever experienced because she went from having no pain to having a lot of pain it's like very hy- quickly. It's like hyperstimulation then, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And she was in labor. She didn't need any help. And um, so she actually said she resented my brother for a little while, mm. just just because it was so uh, painful. She said that really clouded her her experience. So I got that little niggle, in my little nugget in my brain, and I was like, oh, I don't like the idea of that. Any anyway, so eventually I agreed to go into hospital, and they were full when I went in. So I was put, I was taken in at like first thing in the morning. Delivery suite was chaos, and they were just like, we can't induce you because we don't have any. We're just we're just going to monitor you continue you know so I was stuck in a side room and I was like well I'm going to go home then and they were like oh we don't they didn't want me to go once, I, once they got me so mm. they put in the um the ribbon pessary at like eight o'clock in the morning and then just left me now whether that triggered me or not I don't know but I then didn't go so I didn't go to labor when that was paying at all it was then 10 o'clock that night so like well over 12 hours mm. it all it'd fallen out so it done its own thing so but it's a hormone ribbon so I mean it, it may have ripened my cervix I don't know uh yeah it got to like 10 o'clock and uh, my husband had gone home because he'd been told that I wasn't actually labor so he couldn't stay on the ward so and he was to come back in the morning and we were fine with that I was like yeah go home have a good night's sleep because it's going to be chaos tomorrow because d-day's here and we have got no choice now it's happening so <laughs> go and have a good sleep and I'll see you in the morning. Mm. Um, he bought me some pasta. I was so pleased to have that pasta. He bought me a big pasta bolognese and I scoffed that up and off he went. And yeah, literally 10 o'clock on the dot. I remember looking at the clock and thinking, hmm, that's a bit uncomfortable. 
So I waddled over to the nurse's station and I was like, oh, I can definitely feel something. And she was like, oh, you'll be. Yeah, yeah, you just, just, just probably just Braxton Hicks. You'll be, you're, you're walking and you're talking. It's not labour. Why do people like, do that? It's like there, there has know, to be, there know. has to be a variation and a spectrum of people, and some people have incredibly good pain thresholds, and some people don't. Why do yeah. the amount of people yeah. who just aren't believed when they say, "I think I'm in labour," it's like, oh no. So I was like, oh, should I text her? And she was like, no, 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 you'll be fine. I'll let somebody know, and somebody will come and check on you in a few minutes. Okay. I was like, okay. I said, oh, actually, I, I kind of, and this was a bit my mother-in-law was absolutely furious about. I don't know if she wrote a letter or not. She said she was going to at the time. So I turned to her and I went, oh, I, actually, I'm going to go to the loo. Don't worry, I won't lock the door. And she went, oh, right, then no, no problem, because it was on the way back to my thing. And my mother-in-law was like, when women tell me they're going to go to the loo, that's usually a sign. <laughs> and that's, you don't let them go on their own. So off I went to the toilet and the minute my bum hit that pan, I was just like, I was, pu- I didn't realise I was pushing, essentially. So oh, wow. I, I sat down, I squatted down to go to the, what I thought was the toilet. <laughs> is that, is that like, what it felt like? It felt like you needed I, to go to the toilet? It and, felt like, yeah. yeah, so it was quite, I felt like I needed to go to the loo and I had eaten that massive bolognese. So I was like, you know, it's probably, oh, poo, yeah, it's needed yeah. poo. Uh, and I was terrified I was going to poo in front of anybody whilst I was in labour. So I was like, yeah, it's a good idea to go for a poo. <laughs> so yeah, the minute I squatted, obviously my body was like, oh yeah, we're, we're squatting, great. And it hit me, active labour hit me. And I was like, and that was, it wasn't painful, but it was just, it was something I never experienced before. And it hit, it literally hit me like a wall. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And I panicked and pressed the red, pulled the red thing in the toilet. And I had a full crash cart came because that's the, that's like the foot. So I had like a doctor and they're all banging on the door. Let us in, let us in. And I was like in between contractions. By this point, I'd taken all my clothes off. It was a disabled toilet. It was quite a lot of room. I take my clothes off. I was on the floor, squat doggy style on the floor, pushing. <laughs> and, and I was just like, all banging on the door. And in between contractions, I managed to get out. It's open. And there was a pause. And then they realized that they were all pushing on the door and they needed to pull the door <laughs> so they opened the door and I'm butt naked in the toilet on the floor and the doctor just looked at me and goes well you're not dying and then walks off with his trolley because he's oh, got sorry. like a full yeah yeah I was like oh, what what whatever so that really rubbed me up the wrong way because I was like well I might not be dying to you but I'm gonna you know because I didn't know what was happening I was so ill prepared I had no idea so they're trying to get me to put some, a gown on and I'm effing and I'm jeffing because I'm just like, my husband is near. I told you I needed it and you told me not to phone him. I was really angry. I bet. Now, unbeknownst to me, now this is, I don't believe in like ethereal things, but unbeknownst to me, at 10 o'clock exactly, as my husband got home and put his key in the door, something came over him and he was like, I think I should go back. Because oh. he had left the car at the hospital and he had walked home. And he just was like, I think I should go back. And then my mother-in-law, um, so she'd been texting me whilst and asking me what my stats were from the little belt I'd got on mm-hmm. and things. And I'd been texting her stats. And as he had that thought, his little his phone went off. He looked at his phone and his mother, his mom said, I really think you should go back to the hospital. I think I think she's going to have that baby tonight. L- looking at her stats, I think she's just going to go into labour and she's just going to do it. I think mm-hmm. she should go back. So he ran from our house, which is in Bedminster, all the way to the maternity hospital and got there. Like, so this had all kicked off and this was probably like 11 o'clock now that I was mm-hmm. in the, t- they were trying to get me back into my room and put a gown on me. And I just remember him turning up and just being, I was the happiest moment of my entire life. I still remember it now. I literally saw him, our eyes locked and I stopped effing and jeffing. I calmed right down and the, whoever it was, was in there went, oh, and threw the gown at him. Your wife, your problem. And because I, I, I think I had been quite abusive at this point. I can't remember what I said. <laughs> but I was well, very angry. <laughs> if you, you were alone and had been told that your feelings weren't valid. Of course you were mad. I was literally like, I'm not having this baby on the, on the toilet floor. I was, I was, so, I was so angry. Um, anyway, so he got me in the gown and he got me into a wheelchair. And then the next thing that happened, my mother-in-law was very angry about because we then went, we did, she did go with us, but we then went into the lift down to, so I was like literally pushing a baby. There was like a baby, she reckons there was probably a baby's head there. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I couldn't sit on the um, on the wheelchair because I couldn't sit down. So I was like perching on the wheelchair 
and he gets me into central delivery suite and they literally the doors were every all the doors were open as we got there because they was like jogging us through and we got into the central delivery suite and the midwife said oh we need to get her on the bed and my husband's so practical he was just like oh it's like a wheelbarrow isn't it? it's fine literally like flung me um <laughs> and I just landed on all fours on the bed and I just remember the midwife going so I need to exact oh no it's fine you carry you carry on love you're doing a great job and obviously she could see that position that there was a head there <laughs> and literally Edith was born like minutes later so she was born at 26 minutes past one in the at night at so a.m mm. and and I'd started at 10 so, oh, so was pretty quick labor and I reckon if I hadn't panicked in the middle she'd have come so if Isaac had been there I reckon I would have had her in that room next to the toilet yeah but but their panicking sort of stopped slowed everything down again he obviously was your anchor to a bit of oxytocin and oh yeah. thank god there's a calm presence here yeah <sighs> and then so yes yeah. and it was just it was just done but I just I just I, I remember wow. there were a lot of obscenities came out of my wife and I was just like I am not having this baby on the toilet floor it's not happening wow but so so whether the the induction whether that gave me no option but to start I don't mm. know because it ripened the cervix so so I don't know so on my notes it says I was induced because they put that in Mm. but my argument is is I don't I think I'm pretty much went into spontaneous labor well there's a lot of theory around to be honest that induction really is only successful if you're pretty much on the brink anyway and induction inductions that are done when you're absolutely not ready to go into labor are generally pretty unsuccessful so yeah yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot to be said for being your body is pretty much doing it anyway so that must have been a bit of a shock then the fact that that was so (laughs) quick after your all your kind of I bet you didn't really even have time to worry as much Uh, as you thought you were going to there was so much I just remember so I had her I did uh, so she came out with her so the other reason I think she didn't come out when when she might perhaps have done was um in every scan she was sucking her thumb okay. and uh, she came out sucking her thumb and okay. her elbow caught me on the way out and I ended up I did have a little nick um mm. but I didn't end up with a stitch the midwife was like well if I stand there holding it oh no she did stitch me in the end actually so she was stood there holding it we were having a conversation and I was like what's your hand doing and she was like oh, I'm just if I just keep this clamped you'll probably stop bleeding in a minute and you'll be fine mm. and I was like I don't know your name so I don't need you to hold me there just pop a stitch in it's all good you don't even have to know it up I can't feel anything just do it um so I did actually have a stitch I had one stitch mm. um, that's incredible yeah so so yeah but it was considering how quickly she came out I was so yeah so I just had like a little graze from her elbow and then she just yeah had a little a little nick mm. oh and she gave me my first hemorrhoid as well Nice. And my first little yeah that was I remember finding that in the bath afterwards and being like oh what's this and my husband <laughs> went yeah yeah there's a there's like a little thing that popped out whilst you were pushing I was like oh there is a joy I'm so, I'm so <laughs> pleased that you've seen that it's so good that we love each other <laughs> oh my goodness so how long did you stay in hospital for before you came home so we came home the next so at lunchtime the following day so okay. because they wouldn't discharge us on that which is fair enough I mean you're not going to discharge somebody who's just given birth at one o'clock in the morning that mm. seems perfectly logical uh, I didn't want to be in hospital if I could have discharged myself I probably would have done I really hate hospitals but she pooed on the way out and they were a little bit like did she poo Isaac was like did you see how much poo was on the outside of my wife <laughs> yeah, there was no poo inside I just literally she covered me she covered the midwife midwife had to go and have a shower um I had a shower um oh it's horrible stuff isn't it that first poo yeah thankfully thankfully stuff. with mine it was very much just contained to a nappy we didn't you uh, know it didn't nice. go on anyone yeah, no no she sprayed it literally she, she came out and the midwife lifted her she just like sprayed everything um so on my husband's say so um he was like I am as a member there's no she literally she wasn't pooing as she she like as we lifted her she then started to poo right and I was like look I'm semi-medical I mean it's the wrong end I'm it's this the top end I'm interested <laughs> in but I am perfectly capable of checking for a fever I can tell you know I'm, I'm you know not stupid I you know if I, I'm not going to put myself or my baby at risk but I'm not taking antibiotics just because you think there might be an issue mm. um you're going to keep me in I'm going to be here till tomorrow you're going to be monitoring me if there's the hint of an infection then you can give me a massive dose of antibiotics and my baby and I, but but actually um as we're in the hospital and we can get antibiotics immediately. How about we just wait? So yeah. that's what we did. And she was fine and I was fine. Well, good um, for you for 
for sort of saying that because I think so many people just go okay if they're being yeah. something like that so yeah it's good good for people to know that it, that's not really medically indicated is it there's no real I can understand why they do it because they're covering yeah. I, I totally I totally understand and and a lot of the advice that they give if you don't have any knowledge you would just go with because mm. they are the experts I, I I totally get why guidelines are put. The problem is with guidelines is they're there for for the for the majority. Yeah. The national average, the statistical average, and the fact that people sort of fall either side of that midline. Yeah. Is is difficult to to teach, and it's difficult to you know. I mean, if you've been doing your job for thirty odd years, then you probably can say, "Oh, that'll be all right." That. Mm. But we, we're also in a blame culture, so people want to follow the guidelines because that then they say well I followed the guidelines yeah um, it's so difficult it's a really difficult place to be I think and, I, or, or and it's so stretched as a you know in terms of our resources that there's just not time to look at things in a very individual way sometimes mm. so how how did you find uh your kind of post postnatal period in terms of feeding and just your general well-being and, and adjusting to life with a baby so I was again really really lucky that my partner is like yeah he wanted he wanted the baby um his family are just amazing he's one of six wow. we they knew we'd left the hospital so we left at lunchtime they knew we'd left the hospital they were waiting here on the doorstep by the time we got home which was a little bit overwhelming and somebody would have they didn't but somebody would have happily stopped if I if I felt that I wasn't able to do stuff they so one of one of his family members would no doubt have stopped over and helped they're a really close bunch and my mum had come down by that point so I had my mum um, and my mum and my partner got really well unnervingly well um, <laughs> so it was a really nice time actually those first couple of weeks and it was she was born in February so it was cold and horrible anyway so you didn't want to go out and do anything so it was quite nice to just be like in your little cave and again he was he he is really supportive he he was very active like he'd been breastfed he was quite active that I did that uh, but on the same day he hasn't got a pushy bone in his body so you know if I'd have said I didn't want to do it or mm. or I had trouble we, yeah we'd have come to we'd have worked it out. He would have kind of grown up or at least kind of been influenced in some way by his mother's career so I imagine yeah. he would have heard lots of stories and just known things. Well the last few she had at home Right. So she'd had home births. So, so it was another funny thing that happened when, when I gave birth. So she, the midwife knew that it was our first child. Right. And, um, and she said to my husband, she said, oh, you were amazing. And he said, well, it's not my first time. And she just, her face just changed from like, oh, this wonderful man to this. Oh, it's not oh, your first time, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I could see like her face just like went from adoring to like, mm. do this a lot for you. <laughs> Yeah, so he'd like seen his little sister and his little brother born and which is really cool so so yeah so he'd been to more births than I had he was totally like chilled and like yeah this is fine tell me about your thoughts about having another baby did that come quite quickly so, or what what were your thoughts about no that? because because <laughs> to be fair I didn't want the first one um, so, so I I mean don't get me wrong I love her to bits she's amazing it wasn't really my idea it sort of just happened yeah, my husband was really happy. He just wanted he just wanted he wanted a bait because he's just from a big family and they're all really like cuddly and and um so yeah he's he was brilliant with her. He he changed his job, he quit his job, he got became self-employed so that I could go back to work and look after her. And yeah, we were just a little threesome and she did everything with us. You know, she ate with us, we didn't do separate meals or any of that. She just she just became like our little threesome. And we were totally happy with that. And for the minute she could articulate herself. She was like, so um, when am I getting a little baby sister? This just went on and on for quite a few years. And uh, she's like, yeah, everybody else has got a baby brother or a baby sister. Where's, where's my baby brother? Where's my baby sister? And we were like, our oh, babies don't happen like that. <laughs> and then she came downstairs one day and literally looks a bit like um, gone with the wind. She's like, mummy, daddy, when you die, I will be all alone. <laughs> no, she didn't. That's hilarious. <laughs> And I looked at my husband, and my husband looked at her, and, she went, and we were like, "Well, she's got a point." So, okay. She, so, so your husband talked you into the first one, and your child and talked you into, the, into second the second one. one. I love it. I don't know what that says about my will, willpower. And I was just like, <laughs> "I was like, oh, that's so hot. That's so heart wrenching." 
yeah so we then discussed it me and my husband and he was like well you know yeah she's pretty yeah she's pretty awesome isn't she and so she didn't sleep so to be fair one of the other reasons you know one of the one is she was so clingy uh, and I am not a clingy person which is why I didn't like being pregnant I didn't like the fact that something was on me I get I did the felt like claustrophobic mm-hmm. and and then she she did breastfeed she breastfed for over a year it was difficult to wean her um, she wouldn't go to sleep unless she was touching you we bed shared which was all for a lot of people harmonious and wonderful but I hated every minute of it <laughs> um, the minute I got to go sleep back in my own bed naked without another person in it other than my husband was just like I do a starfish I'm like oh it's mm. my was just amazing but she is such a wonderful person she's so articulate and she just needed that and now she sleeps she goes and puts herself to bed it's not like it was for forever thing yeah but at the time I was just like oh I don't know whether I can do another three years of that I think that's really so, reassuring though for people to hear that it's okay if you don't want to be constantly touched by your child like it is it's really <laughs> intense to be touched out like that is. constantly I'm just like just stop touching me just, I want to be alone so we talked about that I was like mm. and I was like actually I'm not sure with that lack of sleep I'm not entirely sure whether our relationship will last that because it was we, we, we were fine but there were we had a rule in our house that anything that was said after bedtime like after 10 o'clock you didn't have to work through it you didn't have to, it was just completely ignored because nice. you were so sleep deprived that yeah it was just like it doesn't need to be apologized for does the if anything that said after 10 o'clock didn't happen it's fine yeah. yeah and I was like I'm not sure I'm even more tired than I was the first time because I've had the first one I'm not entirely sure whether I could do that again and I am nearly 40 and we, I worked it out and I was li- I was literally like you've got a three-month window so it was like December January February if you we do not conceive in those three months I am not pushing a baby out when I'm 40 so you've got you've got three months have fun and yeah. we explained we explained to her that sometimes babies just don't happen because yeah. I was like yeah it's like three months it's gonna take ages to get pregnant it's fine <laughs> I've got a three-month window this ain't gonna happen and um, yeah, I was like oh it's gonna be great this because we'd used fertility awareness for years after Edith because I didn't want to go back on birth control once yeah. I'd had some freedom I was like, oh, I like, I like who I am, not on, not on the pill. Um, so we successfully avoided using um, Sensoplan, which is a, a type of uh, symptothermal method for, was like, how old was she then? Um, so like four years. So, so I knew exactly what my cycle was. I knew, I knew exactly when to have sex. That yeah. was good. And I was like, right, love, you have free sex is what we call it after we've ovulated. You get yeah. to have free condom free free sex my love and you can just do that the whole cycle and he was like oh yeah <laughs> um so, so we did have a lot of sex in december and um and we caught first cycle and wow. i was like oh, not say, again. have you learned nothing <laughs> no literally and it was so weird because i didn't realize how many of my friends had had fertility issues and i feel really bad in a way i'd been i'm, I'm very privileged but I joked with my friends that I was like, oh yeah, so I'm ovulating on like the 20, 28th. So that'll be, that'll be funny. We'll be having a September baby. And they were like, how can you be so sure? And I was like, oh, I'm bound to get pregnant. I just, I'm just bound to get pregnant. Mm. And they were like, really? And it was only when I was talking to them and then it turned out and I felt awful because two of my friends had tried for years. Then they have got a baby. All of my friends mm. have got babies, but they've all had different stories of, you know, not nobody I know has got pregnant first shot. Because uh, that isn't normal, and I thought that was normal. Like, yeah, that's all, well, that's like, your that, experience, that, and that's what's happened to my my mom. Had had both of us exactly. She decided she was going to get pregnant next month. She she was pregnant, and that had happened with both me and my brother. And then that happened with me, and I just thought, oh, I thought it was what? Because people don't talk about they don't talk about miscarriages. They don't talk about the anguish of trying to get pregnant. No. Um, and I know about it now because I help out in in the fertility world. I do bits and bobs online. And so now I know more than I ever did before. And I'm not normal. This, what happened to me is not normal. What happens to everybody else is normal. It's normal mm. for it to take a while. It's normal for you not to get pregnant straight away. But society has given this impression that that's not how it should be. So these poor women think they're not normal when mm. actually they are the norm. It, yeah. it isn't normal for me to just think, oh, I'm going to have a baby and then you get pregnant. Yeah, it's normal for it to take six months. Yeah, what happened to me isn't normal. It's very lucky, and it's very. I'm I'm very blessed that I never had. I have never sat peed on a stick, and then thought, oh, it's negative. Yeah, and then been upset. 
I've never gone through that. And I'm so pleased I haven't because that must just be, I can't imagine what that must be like mm-hmm. actually for people. And that is, but that is the norm. Most people will have experienced that in their life to want something so badly. And then a little stick tell you that it, you, it's not going to happen. You're right. It is exceptionally unusual, but it's going to happen, isn't it? To some people. Yeah. So did you do an, a pregnancy test a bit sooner this time? Uh, yeah. So, so I was relatively sure that I was pregnant. Uh, so when I, one of the complications with Edith was um, I'd had a positive smear and had had treatment. Okay. So I'd got an incompetence cervix, which again, this isn't, this isn't great, but the NHS actually didn't, didn't pick up on it was only when I had Amos and the person that could somebody went through my notes and went oh you've had a colposcopy and a biopsy and 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 part of your cervix was removed um so who was your consultant when you had Edith and I went didn't have a consultant when I had Edith and they were like what do you mean you didn't have a consultant and and so that had been missed but actually I say she was two she was two weeks over so you know there was nothing wrong with my cervix um but again it had been missed so it just goes to show if you don't know stuff you don't know that things have been missed and and if that had if I'd have been unlucky yeah I could have quite easily have gone into labor before I should have done so anyway so that was um something that was flagged up with Amos and I was like oh I'm not worried but if you want me to see a consultant then that's fine I'm not worried for two reasons the first is I was more than two weeks over with my first child and the second reason is because having been pregnant and then I know exactly what my cervix feels like throughout my cycle and after I'd had Edith, one of the, the wonderful things that I discovered was actually my cervix had repaired itself. So, so once I got through the postpartum, like a few months later, and, I, and we started doing fertility awareness and I felt my cervix. And I remember feeling my cervix for the first time and being like, oh, the hole's gone. This isn't how it felt before I had a baby. And I was like, because I was expecting, it was a bit incompetent. So, so that was interesting that my cervix wasn't fully closed. It was like more of a, instead of being a donor, it was more like a deflated tire, yeah. um, but it was whole, it, you know, it was a round solid thing, which it hadn't been before I'd got pregnant with Edith. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I knew exactly when I'd ovulated within 24 hours. And then also my, um, I know you're not, you can't tell from a chart that somebody's pregnant until you've had a pregnancy test. But in my particular chart, my my temps did go up higher than they just slightly higher than they would normally be. Mm. Um, And I was like, hmm. But my cervix was the hardest it has ever been in my whole life. That's it. Nothing was getting through that cervix or coming out of it. Mm. And I was like, oh, I've never felt that um, because it had always been slightly incompetent even after ovulation. But when I was pregnant, it was not. It was so shut. It was ridiculous. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I am. So I think I tested at like 10 days past mm-hmm. ovulation uh, and I had a really, really faint line. I was like, oh, and I was like, I won't get excited because people have faint lines and then it, then it doesn't happen. And, you know, and the line just get, kept getting darker and darker and darker. And I was like, and then also, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, my cervix was so, it was just ridiculously rock hard. Yeah, I was just going to um, kind of pick up on that because I think... So not many people, I think if, you, if you're not in that world of fertility awareness and knowing about your kind of uh, fertile signs and things like that, I think so few people would know that the cervix, the role that that plays and how just by feeling it, you can sort of tell different where you're at in your cycle. Yeah, where you are um, in your cycle, yeah. And actually it's this incredible sign and this incredible indicator. And the fact that you were familiar with what yours felt like for you that's amazing that you could just touch it and go oh this is different this is this is a thing yeah yeah so um yeah I just think that's so interesting and if people don't know about that even if you're not interested in fertility awareness as a method I just think just read about that because it's so interesting yeah it's 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 such an I I was so angry after I had Edith when I found fertility awareness that I didn't know any of this stuff Mm. I remember saying to my mom why didn't you tell me this? And she was like, well, I don't know. No. Um, nobody told me either. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wish I'd have known that hidden art that is reading your own body. Um, it's not witchcraft. It's just your body and being aware of your body is, is a wonderful thing. And it's not for everybody. I've, I'm not, I've not got any issue with people taking whatever hormonal. It's just that, you know, I was over 35 and I decided it probably wasn't a good idea to continue taking the pill. Yeah. Uh, from a blood pressure perspective, from all of the things that that the pill causes, uh, and, and at the time I didn't actually want any more children, so <laughs> so that was yeah. working for me. <laughs> um, but it also meant that when we wanted to get pregnant, 
the first cycle where we decided actually we'd quite like to get pregnant we got pregnant right because we didn't have to wait for any withdrawal from the pill we didn't have to wait for our cycles to regulate again and you were Um, so aware of what was happening that it's like you just did what you've been doing in reverse and you knew exactly when that you were going to release an egg and you had all the signs there and also you could then confirm that you had so you weren't waiting around thinking have I ovulated that you know you have so that was that was takes the stress out of it yeah for sure so did you find pregnancy difficult again this time uh no so he again was a really easy pregnancy um yeah it didn't I was bigger (laughs) I I was definitely bigger I guys literally my body was like oh yeah I remember this so um yeah and I did get late pregnancy I did get stuck between two cars that was funny um (laughs) because I was so fat that I turned to get between the two cars and actually I was fatter sideways than I was yeah yeah and he was bigger Edith was like um three and a half kilos I think and he was nearly four yeah he was much bigger but they always say second babies are bigger don't they yeah they do generally yeah having been through your first birth and the fact that your labor was very fast and that you didn't have the kind of quote-unquote painful contractions what were your thoughts about your second labor and knowing that I mean because they do say that these precipitous quick labors will repeat and can be quicker the next time so were you aware of that and were you thinking and planning what were your thoughts about that labor and birth so I I was aware of that because obviously by then I had loads more information at my disposal also I'll give um, the midwives their due they were very concerned that I would go into spontaneous labor and would not be prepared at home so Mm -hmm. they were very much they wanted me to have everything ready for home birth I wasn't bothered whether I had a home birth or not I mean I like the idea of it um but I work in medicine. I don't want to be in a hospital. Don't get me wrong, mm. but I don't. I'm not scared of hospitals, and so I didn't mind where I had him. But yeah, they were very much like, "We want you to have everything ready at home because we don't think you're going to make it to the hospital." Right. Uh, so this time it was it was much more pleasurable this time because we knew I wasn't worried. I knew my body could do it. So and he's a much. I don't know if it makes any difference. She's much more highly strung than he is. But whether that's a personality thing or whether that's a, I do wonder whether my corticosteroids, you know, mm. have pumped into her in those last few weeks of my anxiety, because um, he is so chilled. But yeah, so we had a birth. We got a birthing pool and we had that all set up. We so we had everything ready, and again, his birth was quite interesting as well because it didn't go how it should have done perfect pregnancy no no complications whatsoever growth was all really good got to my due date they had a due date for me that was they thought I was further along than I did because I knew exactly um Mm. what my dates were Uh, and unfortunately um modern medicine isn't overly au fait with charting and um they just went off what they wanted to go off and so they thought I was a week ahead of what I was again didn't bother me because I knew what I was doing so that was fine I got to my due date and they were like, do you want a stretch and sweep? And I was like, yeah, I don't mind a stretch and sweep, actually. Doesn't, that doesn't massively bother me. You can, uh, so I know, I know there are pros and cons to stretch and sweeps. Uh, that's a whole different conversation. Mm. Um, because I was about you. So at this point I was like, so 37 weeks when they thought it was 38 weeks or I can't remember now. But anyway, so they were like, because, you know, this baby needs, we're getting to the stage where this baby needs to come out. And I was like, oh yeah, it's fine. So they did a stretch and sweep. And she was like, oh, she's actually this is very ripe and she was like well oh, you know you you are you look like you're probably progressing quite well so if you haven't had him by the next appointment then you know we'll, we'll assess it again so I hadn't had him went in um and she was like oh you you seem effaced you're you do seem dilated this this is this is all very you know I think looking you're good. good definitely you're looking really good she was like so you've definitely got everything ready at home um, and at this point she gave me, she like, she like looked through the rotor and they don't normally do this. And she like wrote down like the mobile numbers of the people and what days they were on. And she was like, don't, fo- you, you can phone central delivery suite. We don't want them messing about. And we know mm-hmm. that we know that, you know, that we know that this is probably going to happen really quickly. You phone central delivery suite, let them know. But you phone, if you don't get anything back, you phone the mobile who's on call on the day that they're on call and we will sort it. So yeah, and so and nothing happened. I went in like two days later, and she was like, "Oh, you're five centimeters dilated. Ooh, oh you, this, baby's def- this baby's definitely coming tonight. It's definitely coming tonight. This is I'm on tonight. There's my mobile number." So I phoned my mom, and I was like, "Look, they reckon it's imminent." So my mom shuffled everything around and was like on her way. 
And then, so we got the pool all ready and had a bop about the pool. And I had had like tightenings, but no pain, just tightenings, um, which probably were early labor. And nothing happened. Got in the pool. I had the pool probably stopped happening, which is probably a good thing in hindsight. So we drained the pool. <laughs> um, and then the next day went in. She was like, oh, yeah, you fight, definitely five centimeters daily. Anyway, this went on. I think we went in like every day or possibly every other day for like a, over a week. Um, I was five centimeters dilated. And my sister in law is also a midwife. And everybody was like, sort of like, oh, you know, how's it going? And I was like, oh, so I'm five centimeters dilated. And she was like, I'm going to admit you're five centimeters dilated. You've been five centimeters dilated for a week. And nobody's done anything. And now my sister-in-law is a wonderful person, but she has lost babies. Okay. Uh, so she is coming at this from a whole different perspective. Yeah. And my mother-in-law, so she she was like, can you, and, and so my sister-in-law was like, you know, are your movements okay? Are you, why, are, why are you not worried? And I was like, well, well I, I, I wasn't worried. Should I be worried? And that, now I'm worried. Mm. Um, and so that conversation happened. And then I phoned my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is very calm. She's a wonderful person. I, I would imagine she's amazing to have at a birth. Mm. And I was like, um, so my, you know, she's phoned and she said, and she was like, are you worried? I said, well, I wasn't worried. And she was like, in my experience, women who are going to lose a baby generally do have an inkling. They, they know that something's wrong. So go with your gut. If you, you were happy until you had that conversation, you could feel movement. You know, you don't feel any different. You know, you, the baby's moving. He's not movements are any different. Until you had that conversation, you were happy. Yes. And I was like, I was like, yeah, but now I've had the conversation and now I can't stop thinking about it. And she was like, well, in which case, call Central's Delivery Suite. They'll probably get you in. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll check everything and then you can make a decision mm -hmm. with the appropriate people. So she's always calm. And so I got off the phone and my husband, this was like 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday. And my husband was like, oh, we're not going, you're not making, oh, we're going into the hospital, aren't we? I was like, so yeah. <laughs> like, so we've got, <laughs> took the bag and everything with us, off we went to Central Delivery Suite. And they were very good. They saw us immediately and they were like, were you worried about the movement? I was like, no. So I explained what had happened and they were like, oh, well, that was a great phone call to have it before you go to bed, wasn't it? I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they did all the, they did a scan and they were like, and then doctor, the doctor was really good. She came and she said, look, you're overdue, we're well, not overdue, you're like 30, I think, I was, was I overdue by this point, was I 40 weeks? I was like 39 weeks or something. She was, she was like, look, the nice guy didn't say that at this point, you, we should probably think about inducing you. And I was like, okay, so what does that involve? You're gonna stick one of those rubbery things up me again? And she was like, no, 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 because you're already dilated. So that's, you know, that's not what we, she said, we'll break your waters. I was like, right, okay. And then what's going to happen? Because you're not going to leave me with my waters broken for very long, are you? And she was like, oh, no, less than 20, yeah, 12, 24 hours. If nothing happens, then we're going to want to intervene. I was like, OK, so just just rewind a minute. So you just spent the last hour telling me that I'm well, really well. My stats are really good and that my baby is well, really well and not in any distress. And I've got loads of fluid and, and everything looks really good. She was like, yeah. And you want to do something that's going to endanger my baby possibly mm. introduce bacterial infection and then you're going to have to intervene if nothing happens and bearing in mind that nothing has happened for a week mm. so then you where's the logic yeah, no, so, so she was so good this doctor was really good too because uh, yeah and and so, like, so then you're going to induce me into again something that hasn't happened naturally didn't want to happen so that's probably not going to end well I said, and then you're going to probably end up doing an emergency section. And she's, well, well, not necessarily. She said, possibly, yes. I was like, right, okay. Or I could just go home and see what happens because you told me that everything's all right. And she said, well, you could do that. But the nice, I said, yeah, no, I know. What the, I read the nice guidelines yesterday. I was like, yeah, I know what the nice guidelines say. And she was like, yeah, when you put it like that, it doesn't sound good, does it? And I was like, no, no, I just, yeah, I'm just, I just, you know. I said, so in your medical opinion, have you got an issue with me leaving? And she was like, no, not really. Oh, I was like, that's okay, good. Right, well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home then. <laughs> so I went home and me and my husband talked about it. And it was like, so I agreed that I would go in every other day and that they could monitor me. They could check. And I was sure he was stuck. In my gut, I was sure he was, and he was, he was stuck. So I was positive that he was stuck. And so we went in for the scan. And I said, look, where is it? She said, oh no, he's, he's engaged, his head's down. And I know it's not an exact science, um, an ultrasound. And I was like, Edith had been sucking her thumb. I was like, look, where are his hands? Has he got his hands? Is he sucking his thumb? And she said, no, no, he's not sucking. He's all, he's all good. 
So that was the first ultrasound. And then we went a day and then we went back in for a second ultrasound. And again, I said, exactly what is his position? And she was like, no, no, he's, his head's engaged. He's, she said, I have no idea where he's in the perfect position. I was like, really? Mm. Anyway, whilst I was on the ultrasound table and we were having this conversation, I was having tightenings and they were relatively regular, but they weren't painful. There was no pain involved. And also my husband, he's so intuitive, bless him. <laughs> so when we got off that, we were having to wait for the, the um, uh, is it cardiogram, the, the belt thing uh, that they part yeah. to do the heartbeat and everything. And, um, and I couldn't sit, I couldn't sit. I was like, I was like jogging about, I was like twitching. Mm. Uh, and my husband was like, he's doing the crossword. And he's like, you're, you're in labor, aren't you? And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and he like, looked at the clock and he went, 1.30 and this was 10 o'clock interestingly wow. but 10 o'clock in the morning this time not 10 o'clock at night <laughs> so you like like over the paper looks paper puts the paper back up starts it's like five down um and <laughs> I, get, I get on the table but it's put the belt on and I said I think I think I'm having contractions and again the midwife because these are still midwives in the uh, day assessment and she sort of looked at me as if in irritating look of yeah no Mm. and I was like I'm sure I'm sure she said well we'll put the machine on she said if you're the machine will pick it up if you're having contractions I was like okay right so she puts it on really uncomfortable on the, the on the bed I'm sat there and I'm like oh I can't do this I can't do it. I just can't sit on this it's just so uncomfortable and she had it on for a few minutes she was, she was like she was like well the baby's the baby's fine I was like look I'm really sorry if you don't take this off I'm going to rip it off I, I need to get off this seat and she was like, right, so we're going to, we, so we're all in agreement. We're going to induce you then that, you know, because you're now overdue. And I was like, yeah, at this point, because I was so uncomfortable. I was like, yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah, I suppose that is what we're going to do. I was just like, <laughs> look, I was like, right, well, whilst we're here, did you want to do a quick, because I was like, I'm sure I'm in labour. I'm sure I'm in labour. I said, do you want to do a stretch and sweep whilst you're here? Because you never know over the night that might set me going and then you can take all the glory for yourself. And yeah. she was like, oh, uh, okay. So she, and literally she just put, she didn't even get two fingers in. She was just like, oh my God, there's a head. And she the other woman came shooting over and she was like, she was on the phone to Central Delivery Suite booking my induction. She's like, oh, scrap that. No, she's in labor. <laughs> and that all hell broke loose. And there were these two women in there that were in there for monitoring who weren't as far as long as I was. And they just, the look of panic on their faces. They were like, oh my God, somebody's going to have a baby in front of us. I felt so sorry for those two women. <laughs> um, and I was so annoyed at the way that they'd been with me. I was like, so I can have a room now then, can I? And she was like, yes, 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 yes. And, and at that point, my waters broke. <laughs> nice. So I trailed fluid all across day, day assessment and but of course I was on the midwife led unit level yeah so somebody came from there got me into a room and I was so happy because I had the deluxe room that I'd wanted with Edith but I couldn't have because she was so overdue I had to have her in that central delivery suite and um yeah so I went in and it's the room with the double bed and it's got a big bath and she was nice. running the bath I said, oh, you're you're on it they don't they, they, they take like 20 minutes to run she was like oh somebody else was on their way in but you're here now and I was like <laughs> sorry and so <laughs> she said right she said well I, I haven't read your case because I was reading the other girls the other lady's case um where are you notes so I was like there you go she was like I'll be back in a minute so she off she went she was like yeah if that's full it'll do it'll beep it's got a light or something you know you can get in it if you want it's all temperature controls you just get in and I, so I did get it but Isaac helped me get in I was in the pool I was like oh yeah this is nice oh it's just so nice a birthing pool everybody should have a birthing pool if they can get away with it and yeah, so she off she went. She was not, she wasn't very long. She came back. She said, right, I'm up to date. I've read your notes. Can I examine you? And um, so she had a little examine. Um, I think your baby is not the pointing the right way. Okay. And I was like, I've been saying that for weeks. I instantly liked her because she um, she had affirmed everything that I thought. Yeah. Um, and it turns out it was trying to come through sideways. And uh, she was like, so we need to um see if he'll turn so she I can't really remember what she did but she sort of in the pool sort of swizzled me around a lot nice like doing sort of weird French way in the pool because of course because you're buoyant that's really easy anyway he did turn but he went back to back so yeah so she really reassured me so I instantly trusted her and I think a lot of birth is about trust yeah it's about being happy in the situation so I'd got Isaac with me so I was totally calm because I got my person was in the room and she'd really made a great impression and so what the reason I was five centimeters dilated it was because half of my cervix was dilated ah. where his 
head had been pushing and been stuck for two for a week and a bit. Um, so when he came out, all of his they had to put a tube up to just check that his airways were actually clear because when he came through, the whole of his side of his face was like all swashed and his oh, nose was all swashed. He, he couldn't open his nose, so he couldn't properly breathe through his nose because he'd been sat there like that for over a week. He'd been stuck in the birth canal in the wrong mm. way. I didn't have a stitch. I lost like a really small, like a glass of blood. And yeah, so so uh, yeah, the birthing pool was amazing. The beauty of doing it a second time round is I knew what was happening. I knew my body could do it. So when I had a contraction, I was very much in the mindset as I knew I could do this. It was really positive. Right. Um, so so I knew, yeah, I'm breathing all down. And I was like, yeah, yeah. What I didn't appreciate until afterwards is because he had been stuck and my cervix was only half dial, it was not fully ripened. As I was pushing, she was actually, she had a hand down there and she was stopping him from coming out. And my husband could see this and my husband was like, oh, she realizes what you're doing. Your life's not going to be worth living. And he was just like, so I kept thinking, I did think, oh, he looks a bit nervous. Oh, I hope he's all, yeah, I think everything's all right. I'm, I'm all right. I'm okay. So, and the reason he was so nervous, because he, he, he was like, if, if, if I really, if she realizes what you're doing, your hand's going to get ripped off. Um, so why, why was she doing that? So she was doing that because she didn't want me to split. Okay. Because she wanted the cervix, the rest of the cervix to just catch up a little bit. So, I mean, and we were only talking like, so he came out at 120, is almost exactly the same time as Edith had done, wow. but in the lunchtime, not at, at, in the morning. It was really weird. They both got like, I think she's like um, 0126 and he's like 1324 or something. Yeah. So they're almost born at exactly the same time, but. In reverse. <laughs> in reverse it's really weird um so um yeah so I didn't have a I didn't have a stitch I didn't have any damage down there whatsoever and he came out back to back yeah and was that uh, quite quick from from the moment that you were able to like oh like start the, properly pushing was um, it quite a quick so I process? reckon I had an, again I reckon it was the same sort of thing I reckon it's sort of 10 to 11 was like the sort of not quite active labor and then I reckon it was probably like yeah, 11 tall. So it, it, yeah, it was a couple of hours, but I think it probably, probably would have been quicker had she not have been, I think I would have just like popped him out and I'd have yeah. split, I'd have yeah. had a tear. I would have been annoyed about that, but I wouldn't have, it, when you're in the moment, you just want to get the baby out. So, and so I'm not sure how long she was doing that because like, your perception of time is, mm. um, but I said it was only a few pushes. It wasn't like it was, um, and then once she was happy, she, he said it was really odd because he came out and he could see they were looking at each other because he came out the wrong way. It was like the Nirvana. He was no. like, he said, he said, I could see his little head and his eyes. His eyes were looking at mine. <laughs> and then he'd go back <laughs> in again and, he, and then he'd pop back out again. And then he'd go back in again and then he'd pop back out. And then eventually he popped out enough that he didn't go back in again. The other funny moment was that, um, so she said, if you don't mind, now he's out. If you can manage it, I'd quite like to get out of the pool to give birth to the placenta mm. because I like to physically she said she's I prefer it if you don't have the placenta in the pool and I just assumed she meant because it was messy yeah. <laughs> so because Edith's placenta was the most revolting thing you have ever seen it was degraded they spent mm. ages like trying to piece it all together to see if it was all there because she was very overdue right he was very very overdue and now having seen a healthy placenta I realized just how overdue she was and why my mother-in-law was so worried because it's really unlike her to interfere she's a very non-interfering person so for her to have said to me the first time I really think you need to listen to the professionals mm. is really unheard of so yeah but now having seen it so anyway so I got out of the pool and I was quite happy to have the the jab in the bum for the because yeah. I had it with Edith and it, it didn't cause me any issues. Um, and I was like, and I, we discussed it pre-labor with her. And actually, I probably wouldn't have had it, but she didn't ask. As I was getting out, my ass was in her face. So she jumped it. I was like, ah, what was that? Oh, went, oh okay. Put this stuff in. And she was like, she was like, you know, the stuff we talked about. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, right, okay. Which was fine, because we had discussed it. It wasn't like, but in hindsight, because he'd been so easy to birth. I don't think it would have bothered me birthing the placenta, but also I did because with Edith, it was all such a shock and I didn't, I didn't remember pushing the placenta. I think the placenta just wobbled its way out because it was so <laughs> degraded. I had no concept of all of that. So I got out, she dabbed me with that and, and she, she'd made a little nest for me on the floor. It was so lovely with cushions and things and towels. And so I snuggled into my little nest and, um, and I had a contraction 
and I just well I'd been pushing for the last hour and a bit so I had a contraction I pushed and this thing was like a rugby ball it shot out she wasn't expecting it so she was doing something else <laughs> and then it just shot across the floor and it literally bounced across the floor in the suite and hit the door on the other side just as somebody came in and literally went I'll come back <laughs> and then they went and um, she turned to the student because I'd said I didn't mind a student midwife in there and she turned to the student midwife she went that is not an over, out of date placenta <laughs> they don't bounce when they're overdue <laughs> so and she looked at me she went I think your dates are right my dear yeah um, so yeah it was so funny because so I was bang on I was like like a couple of days over by my dates mm. so um, not as far over as they thought and we would have been out within a few hours. So they, I'm not sure what happened, but some whoever was in after me, um, all hell broke loose. The reason the person was coming in was because something awful was happening somewhere okay. else. Um, so we um, we just did our own thing for a few hours. So we were home by five o'clock. Wow. We probably could have been home to pick Edith up from school because they were ready to discharge us almost straight away. They were happy. But then all... And every time yeah. Isaac went go and see if somebody would sign us out, he was like, "I don't want to intervene." Not a good so he'd, time. He'd, he'd come back in the room and just shut the door, and be like, "Somebody will remember we're in here at some point because we were all good." And it it just seemed so wrong to mm. like moan to leave. And we knew my mum was with Edith, so mm. it didn't matter about somebody picking her up or we didn't have to worry about Edith. So um, yeah, so we actually came back. We were quite happy to come back the next day to do all the baby checks. Okay. So they gave him a very cursory check over. And it was only the next day that the PD, the somebody from Peds and Peds doctor came and said, oh, I was a bit wrong, really, because of his nose. We probably shouldn't have discharged him because it's still not open. And so that was when they put like a GN tube up and just to make sure. Apparently, sometimes you can be born with like the nostrils not actually opening. They can be blocked. And then she was just a little bit concerned that that is what had happened. And I was like, oh, he was stuck. I'm not worried. But yeah, let's put a tube up. And he didn't like that, did you? Um, so yes, yeah, so they just put a little GN tube up just to make sure that it was all open. And it took about a month for his face to all even out. Yeah. But now you've got a beautifully symmetrical face, haven't you? The face of somebody who's just demolished an entire chocolate muffin. Oh. So that was his birth, which was considerably more empowering and amazing. And I feel very happy to have had a second go at it because the first go was really relatively traumatic and we're like oh my god yeah well not knowing Um, what's going to happen to you but also not being believed when you talk about what is happening to you yeah that's that's really disempowering (laughs) but I imagine given your history with the first birth maybe you were taken slightly more seriously with your second experience Uh, well I wasn't really to be honest with you not Uh, when I was in uh, what's it called eds is it there's days the, the day mm. assessment but to be fair to them again you know they weren't really expecting anything to happen on their watch so and neither to be fair was the woman who was in charge of the little ward mm. wasn't really expecting anything to happen in her watch so the midwife i had was absolutely amazing in fact so her name was joe i can't remember what her last name was and his middle name was joe oh, because of that that's lovely she was amazing Oh, well, thank you so much. for Hello. Thank you so much for sharing both your stories. Main thing that I learned from between one and two is definitely to trust your body. Definitely to trust your body. Your body knows stuff that you don't even know that you know um, until the shit hits the fan and you know you're like, yeah, so trust yourself. Trust is a big thing. Also, trust your partner. And if your partner's a bit wet, then maybe find somebody else that you want to trust, like your best mate or your mom and um water um I didn't have any water with Edith um I had a, a, a like an Airbion bottle but when you're in labor and you're on all fours you can't lift an Airbion bottle and your husband can't lift an Airbion bottle for you either or if he does you're probably going to drown because he's going to stick it up when you're not ready for mm-hmm. it um so a water bottle with a straw in it mm-hmm. so that you can drink water because you will experience thirst like you have never had before yeah um, so that's definitely my top tip also hospital water is horrible so have a bottle of mineral water that you can put into your bottle of water as it tastes vile I'm sure they keep in tanks on the roof yeah and Um, interestingly as well there's a lot of um a lot of uh, evidence to say that if your jaws relax then your nethers will be relaxed as well it's the whole um there's a real link between yeah the jaw and um the the kind of pelvic muscles so there's the whole um the catchphrase is floppy face, floppy fanny. So if you use a straw, when you suck from a straw, oh, you, you have yeah, you to talk, relax yeah. 
the other thing that people recommend is kind of braying like a horse like like if you do that it's physically impossible to tense your the bits that need to not be tense when you have a baby (laughs) so the straw straw thing is um is a real really good recommendation not only to keep hydrated but uh yeah because that's another thing you do forget to keep yourself nourished everybody should have access to a pool everybody if i had if i could change the world as the pool was amazing and then and then find a position that you're happy with with edith they were desperate for me to go to to not be on my old fours so that they could monitor me um and as it was it was so quick that they gave yeah they very soon gave up on that because they realized that she was coming and they didn't need to monitor me the great thing about being in a pool is that you know you can be you could be on your back if you needed to be on your back yeah that's true that's amazing. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate um, your time and also just your like wisdom on it as well. And it's really interesting speaking to somebody who's had such quick births and also somebody whose partner was so well informed and so calm. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, he is a special. He's a special being. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's been raised, you know, in a, in a big family where birth is just kind of normal. So that's cool. Yeah. You're still hungry. We'd better make you some food then. Uh, Are you going to say goodbye? Absolutely fine. Bye, sweetheart. Oh, mega big thank you to Sarah for your stories. You have such good humour and excellent advice. It was really lovely to hear your little one enjoying himself in the background as well with a chocolate muffin. If you're interested in learning more about the fertility awareness method, which Sarah and I talked about, there are a couple of resources that I would highly suggest you start with. Firstly, there is a Facebook group called Fertility Awareness Method of Birth Control. If you search that, there's thousands and thousands of people in there, um, all with a wealth of knowledge and lots and lots of kind of really helpful guides on how to get started. Um, Even if you're just interested in how your body works, it can be an excellent resource for you. There's another thing, which is a book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility by somebody called Tony Weschler. It's kind of considered the Bible of body literacy and fertility awareness. Um, I'd be really happy to chat about any of this too in my DMs. It's something that I'm really passionate about kind of as an aside. Thank you again to Sarah for sharing your stories. I really loved hearing about your experience of how fast your labour and birth was, especially that you kind of didn't have any noticeable pain, more of a discomfort, which I think people don't really understand so much. And I especially love how much your daughter influenced you to create her sibling. It's a brilliant story that you can tell them both one day. If you would like to connect with me in any way, I'm on Instagram, Real Birth Podcast. I'm also on Facebook as The Real Birth Podcast. And if you would like to submit your birth story for consideration, you can do so on my website, which is www.realbirth.co.uk. That's all for this week. I really hope you enjoyed listening. We will be back next Wednesday with another amazing birth story. Bye.